Introduction and Preface of A Brief History of English and American Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kalinda. A Brief History of English and American Literature by Henry A. Beers with introduction and supplementary chapters on the religious and theological literature of Great Britain and the United States by John Fletcher Hurst. Introduction At the request of the publishers, the undersigned has prepared this introduction and two supplementary chapters on the religious and theological literature of Great Britain and the United States. To the preacher in his preparation for the pulpit, and also to the general reader and student of religious history, the pursuit of the study of literature is a necessity. The sermon itself is a part of literature, must have its literary finish and proportions, and should give ample proof of a familiarity with the masterpieces of the English tongue. The world of letters presents to even the casual reader a rich and varied profusion of fascinating and luscious fruit. But to the earnest student who explores with thorough research and sympathetic mind, the intellectual products of countries and times other than his own, the infinite variety so strikingly apparent to the superficial observer resolves itself into a beautiful and harmonious unity. Literature is the record of the struggles and aspirations of man in the boundless universe of thought. As in physics the correlation and conservation of force bind all the material sciences together into one, so in the world of the intellect all the diverse departments of mental life and action find their common bond in literature. Even the signs and formulas of the mathematician and the chemist are but abbreviated forms of writing, the stenography of those exact sciences. The simple chronicles of the analyst, the flowing verses of the poet, clothing his thought with winged words, the abstruse propositions of the philosopher, the smiting protests of the bold reformer, either in church or state, the impassioned appeal of the advocate at the bar of justice, the argument of the legislator on behalf of his measures, the very cry of inarticulate pain of those who suffer under the oppression of cruelty, all have their literature. The minister of the gospel, whose mission is to man in his highest and holiest relations, must know the best that human thought has produced if he would successfully reach and influence the thoughtful and inquiring. Perhaps our best service here will be to suggest a method of pursuing a course of study in literature, both English and American. The following work of Professor Beers touches but lightly and scarcely more than opens these broad and inviting fields, which are ever growing richer and more fascinating. While man continues to think he will weave the fabric of the mental loom into infinitely varied and beautiful designs. In the general outlines of a plan of literary study which is to cover the entire history of English and American literature, the following directions, it is hoped, will be of value. 1. Fix the great landmarks, the general periods, each marked by some towering leader around whom other contemporary writers may be grouped. In Great Britain, the several and successive periods might thus be well designated by such authors as Geoffrey Chaucer or John Wycliffe, Thomas More or Henry Howard, Edmund Spencer or Sir Walter Raleigh, William Shakespeare or Francis Bacon, John Milton or Jeremy Taylor, John Dryden or John Locke, 
Joseph Addison or Joseph Butler, Samuel Johnson or Oliver Goldsmith, William Cowper or John Wesley, Walter Scott or Samuel Taylor Coleridge, William Wordsworth or Thomas Chalmers, Alfred Tennyson, Thomas Carlyle, or William Makepeace Thackeray. A similar list for American literature would place as leaders in letters Thomas Hooker or Thomas Shepard, Cotton Mather, Jonathan Edwards, Benjamin Franklin, Philip Freneau, Noah Webster or James Kent, James Fenimore Cooper or Washington Irving, Ralph Waldo Emerson or Edward Everett, Joseph Addison Alexander or William Ellery Channing, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, James Russell Lowell or Nathaniel Hawthorne. The prosecution of the study might be carried on in one or more of several ways, according either to the purpose in view or the tastes of the student. Attention might profitably be concentrated on the literature of a given period and worked out in detail by taking up individual authors or by classifying all the writers of the period on the basis of the character of their writings, such as poetry, history, belles lettres, theology, essays, and the like. Again, the literature of a period might be studied with reference to its influence on the religious, commercial, political, or social life of the people among whom it is circulated, or as the result of certain forces which have preceded its production. It is well worth the time and effort to trace the influence of one author upon another, or many others who, while maintaining their individuality, have been either in style or method of production unconsciously molded by their confrères of the pen. The divisions of writers may again be made with reference to their opinions and associations in the different departments of life where they have wrought their active labors, such as in politics, religion, moral reform, or educational questions. The influence of the great writers in the languages of the continent upon the literature of England and America affords another theme of absorbing interest, and has its peculiarly good results in bringing the student into close brotherhood with the fruitful and cultured minds of every land. In fact, the possible applications of the study of literature are so many and varied that the ingenuity of any earnest student may devise such as the exigencies of his own work may require. John F. Hurst, Washington Preface In so brief a history of so rich a literature, the problem is how to get room enough to give not an adequate impression, that is impossible, but any impression at all of the subject. To do this, I have crowded out everything but belles lettres. Books in philosophy, history, science, etc., however important in the history of English thought, receive the merest incidental mention, or even no mention at all. Again, I have omitted the literature of the Anglo-Saxon period, which is written in a language nearly as hard for a modern Englishman to read as German is or Dutch. Cademon and Cinewolf are no more a part of English literature than Virgil and Horace are of Italian. I have also left out the vernacular literature of the Scotch before the time of Burns. Up to the date of the Union, Scotland was a separate kingdom, and its literature had a development independent of the English, though parallel with it. In dividing the history into periods, I have followed with some modifications the divisions made by Mr. Stopford Brooke in his excellent little Primer of English Literature. A short reading course is appended to each chapter. Henry A. Beers End of Introduction and Preface